Hello. I'm Pauline. And I'm Lisa. And this is a podcast called Real Window, colon, rewatching random <laughs> movies from our childhood. So Lisa and I are sisters, born in 85 and 86, and we watched a plethora of movies when we were growing up, some age appropriate and some not. Some that are amazing to this day and others not so much. And we have now rewatched them and we are discussing them every week uh, and giving you our opinions and our insight and our wisdom, <laughs> among other things. Now, this movie, so this is our fifth episode, which is super exciting. Yay, good and us. this is the first of all of the movies so far that we have that we were old enough to go see in the movie theater when it came out, which is a big deal. Yes. I think that's an indication of what the other uh, episodes were about, of movies <laughs> that we weren't able to go to the movie theater to see, or slash weren't alive for. Uh, and if you haven't yeah. listened to those episodes, do it now. Yeah, go Stop back. This. Go back. Stop it. Go do it. Okay. Anyway, Lisa's going to let us know what movie we're watching this week. Lisa, what movie are we watching? I am so excited. So we are, what we watched actually was the 1993 Disney film, The Three Musketeers. So Disney's rendition yeah. of Three Musketeers. Oh my gosh, classic. So um, I watched this on Disney Plus. Pauline, did you yes. watch it on? Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Plugged in where we found it. Uh, so this film follows the, the main story arc, I assume, of, of The Three Musketeers. And it stars Charlie Sheen. Mm -hmm. Kiefer Sutherland, mm -hmm. Oliver Platt, mm -hmm. Chris O'Donnell, mm -hmm. and um, in one of my favorite roles, Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. And this movie, basically, if you don't know the plot of The Three Musketeers, fascinating, but also I'll still, I'll still <laughs> give you some stuff. I'm surprised. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So the basic plot for The Three Musketeers is that it takes place in France under the uh, King Louis and... Uh, there is an order known as the Musketeers, who are the personal bodyguard of the king, of the monarch, and D'Artagnan, our protagonist, wants to join them more than anything else in the world. And unfortunately, the day he decides to do it is the day that the Musketeers are disbanded by the evil Cardinal Richelieu, uh, who is trying to do a power grab. The only musketeers that retain their musketeer status defiantly are Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, played by Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, and Oliver Platt. Uh, D'Artagnan, who is played by Chris O'Donnell, meets up with them, uh, actually intending to fight them all for separate duels for slights throughout the course of his day. And then they end up befriending each other and going on an adventure to try and stop the nefarious Cardinal Richelieu from murdering the king and taking over France. That was There's a beautiful a... summary. Thank you. Thank did, you. Did you write that ahead of time? I did not. I just did oh, that wow. on the fly. That's I'm very awesome. impressive. Good Thank job, you. Lisa. Thank you. I'm so proud Gold of myself. Star. You yeah. should be. Um, so this movie, if you, if you haven't seen it, this is going to be full of sword fighting, period costumes, uh, and lots and lots of mullets for some reason. Lots of mullets? <laughs> There's a lot of mullets. All lots the characters of mullets. have them. And... Um, and boobies. <laughs> There's so yeah. much cleavage in this movie. For a Disney film. Disney. I, yes. I well, appreciate it. I appreciate a good, the, a good the cleave. The thing is, actually, at this time period, it was more scandalous for women to be showing their calves 
than it was for them to showing their breasts. So a lot of their gowns have that deep cut because breasts, who cares? Whatever. They're just boobs. Calves, on the other hand, now that is scandalous Ooh. to the extreme. Mm, so yes. I love, you know, props, Disney, for uh, really sticking to the period. You did a good job. They um, did. So... I, it was my turn with this film to look up trivia, and I was very excited because I assumed, unlike the previous episode where Polina had to look up trivia and had <laughs> hardly anything for the obscure film that we watched, um, I was hoping there would be a lot of interesting trivia, and I was so sad to find out <laughs> there actually wasn't. Um, Google, you have failed me. I looked and I couldn't find a whole lot. So Not even on IMDb, hey? I, I looked through IMDb and I looked through Wikipedia. I looked through a whole, I looked through like Man. random sites and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this movie? There's not enough. So uh, the first one that actually, I found this interesting and it does not surprise me at all, but it kind of did at the same time. So in this movie, there's another character I failed to mention in my summary, uh, Lady de Winter. Um, mm -hmm. Lady de Winter, who is played by Rebecca de Mornay. And she's a staple of the, the book it's based off of. She's often the, you know, the woman who's sort of messing up their plans and is a femme fatale. And in the film, she commits suicide. Um, she is threatened. She's like about to be sentenced to die and then chooses to jump off a cliff rather than get her head taken off. Fair. Um, but this is I the guess. first, I, I don't know, like which is better? I don't know, jumping off a cliff. Off a cliff. <laughs> I don't know if that's better. I don't know, I don't... but also you wanna hope that the guy who's cutting off your head is, a, is an excellent yeah. professional, cause it could go wrong. Oh, like and, he doesn't, did. oh my gosh. Like, it um, did in the day a few times. Yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, that episode of Game of Thrones. <gasps> yes. I thought of that, I thought oh. of that when oh, that scene was coming on so that's really funny you said that because i was like oh imagine if it wasn't a clean cut and well, i just oh. totally it'd be terrible and that's why an executioner was prized if you were an excellent executioner especially for the anyone who was of noble blood who was going to get their head chopped off you wanted it done right and so it was very important to have an executioner who could do that swing and chop off a head so clearly Ugh. This is taking a turn. I didn't know we were going in this direction, but <laughs> as per, yeah, as per, all, this always happens. If you're not used to it by now, you're never going to be used to it. So this is actually the first depiction of suicide in a Disney film. Oh, that's a fun fact. It had never happened before. This is the first one. And I was actually surprised Ugh. that this movie was released by Disney because Disney actually owns Touchstone Pictures for the mm -hmm. express intention of releasing films that are a little bit less family friendly and so therefore right. aren't associated with the disney you know name but they right. can still release it and get the profits but mm -hmm. then i thought of like you know maybe this started the trend for like pirates of the caribbean which really when you look at it had some interesting moments too and was released yep. under the disney banner so i don't know but i found well, it just surprising for the night it is i don't i don't disagree because i thought the same thing kind of when i was watching it i was like this is really dark. There's mm -hmm. a lot of really dark, and we'll get into it later. But Cardinal yeah. Verslu is creepy AF, oh, and I'm like, such a creep. he's, he's such a creep. so gross. And oh. just to, for him to be the villain in a Disney movie is very interesting because he's he's such a creepy man such that creepy man. it would be more appropriate for it to be in a Touchstone movie. But having said that, rewatching this movie with Cam who has never watched it like he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't seen it and i feel like i failed him in a way because i didn't 
Oh, all the previous movies. Them. Not really. Like I did. I was like, Three Musketeers. It's great. And he's like, I never seen it. I was like, oh, we have to watch it together. <laughs> then, but the previous movies we were watching were things like The Fugitive and yes. Ghost and, and Untouchables. Yeah. And Oh Heavenly Dog. Not that anyone knows what that movie is, but it's so I think he was thinking it was in that vein. So I was <laughs> hyper aware of the the family friendly, jokey, cheesy, yes. goofy lines. Because yeah. I was like, oh yeah, no, this it's that Cam didn't know this is what he was watching. But yep. I do have to say, he thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, but that's good. I, there like, we go. I was just hyper aware. You almost become self-conscious. You're like, oh, yeah. right. This is a really right. family. Family. And film. that's where I feel like it doesn't fit as a touchstone picture. Yes. Because it was, there's well, quite and, silly moments that and are And we can get into this ridiculous. more, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. And we'll get into this more as when yeah. we're talking about some of the other answers to some of the questions. But I, I agree with you for sure. The other, the other bit of trivia actually has to deal with, so there is a song that was mm. released with this film. Oh my goodness. Pauline, would you like to tell everyone who sang the song? Okay. So this is a song sung by the amazing Canadian artist, Brian Adams, mm -hmm. the epic mullet, blonde-haired Rod Stewart, <laughs> and then a very young post-The Police sting. Yes. Pre-Tantra. And and the the song is called All for Love, which is uh, amazing. If you haven't heard it when you're done this episode, it, you need to Google ooh, this. Watch it on YouTube. The music video is hysterical. I, the, the music oh, video is so good. And it's <laughs> it's funny because Rod Stewart shows up late. And <laughs> and in the music video, Brian Adams and Sting are sitting there like laughing and talking about how Rod Stewart's late, and then he just waltzes in. Oh, it's so and you're it's like, so funny. He is it's so nineties. So Stewart. It's so, it's so 90s. 90s. But yeah. I love all three of them. Totally. So much. Anyway, it's Well, a... and you can tell what they were going for was a total Robin Hood Prince of Thieves yes. vibe. Where they were like, Oh, it worked for Robin Hood Prince of Thieves when Brian Adams did his amazing song that was like a huge hit. We'll do the same thing with the Three Musketeers, also a period uh film. So all for Love actually did reach, this surprised me, number one on the Billboard Top 100. And it did so for what? three weeks. I know. It was three weeks on the Billboard Top 100. That's and amazing. Then it was also, so it was on the RPM Singles Chart in Canada as number one for five weeks. Because, you know, we love our wow. Brian Adams. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we elevated we do, that because of him. We do love you know, Brian You know that's Adams. why. You know that's oh, why. You know it's that because actually, everyone was like, yes. That makes me really happy. <laughs> I, I know. really Because I know for us, I think one of the reasons why we loved it so much was we grew up listening to yes. all three of these guys mm -hmm. and Phil Collins. The only yes. thing that could have made this song better is if Phil Collins is playing the drums and singing. <laughs> like, that's the, the only way oh. this song could have gotten better was if Phil Collins was somehow in any way added to this imagine and the epic drum solo he could have provided. think of how oh that would have been amazing so but we listen to these guys as children mm -hmm. forever and so yes. i think we i am not surprised how much we love it like even as an totally. adult i was like this is such an amazing song oh i got goose i was like oh my god i haven't heard this song in years i love this song. it's so good i'm like it's going on the playlist. Words. 
I still knew the uh, words. I started singing along. It made yeah. me very happy. The I so- serenaded Cam. Oh, amazing. He deserves to be serenaded. Him. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's a good man. He's so- a good man. He deserves this song. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Aside from there is there is one other actor in this film who I love who plays the villain Rochefort. And Pauline, can you name two of the movies he is also a villain in from the 90s that we watched? I hope that I am right. (laughs) Because I remember as a child watching this movie, thinking to myself, he sure looks like the cousin (laughs) in Robin Hood. And I remember making that suggestion to one of our older siblings and being told I was an idiot. Well, Pauline, they were idiots because they, they are right. Yes, they are right. He's so well, good. And his voice, his voice mm. is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. That's what gives him away. Yes. Can Can you name the okay. other one? So his Ooh, the actor's okay. name is is Michael uh, Winnott. Uh, can you name the other '90s movie where he and he was the main villain in this? And movie? I know this movie. Like you're, I know what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, you're gonna have you to do. give me a hint. Okay, it was one we shouldn't have watched as children and okay. only watched because an older brother was watching it. <laughs> and we were, he was babysitting. Oh my gosh, I, I know exactly which one it is. The Crow. Yes. He's, he's the, the crow. main, he's the main he baddie. He eats the eyeball. He eats the eyeball in The Crow. For any, all right, spoiler for the next <laughs> time we're talking about the movie The Crow. Uh, yes, he's the, the scary guy who eats an eyeball in The Crow. That's him. Oh, yeah, Man. so I, this probably means nothing to our listeners, but I knew it would mean everything to Pauline. Totally. So I had to say something. Oh, I just feel so justified in the fact that I knew he was from <laughs> Robin Hood. I just was like, I'm telling you guys. And it, granted, he hmm. just has long, dark hair. It's slightly different, obviously, in each movie, but he just wears black and he's the bad assistant to Sheriff of Nottingham and Cardinal Rushloo. So I could totally understand why the sibling would be like, no, Pauline. This is just, just another, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're six, so there's no way you're right. Pauline, and he has an eye patch. That's <laughs> a different person. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so satisfied. That's so I'm glad. And he's no so idea. good. He's, he's my favorite Me too. Part, actually. When me I was too. re-watching through mm-hmm. the I'm like, Rochefort? is amazing and steals every scene he's in. No wonder he was always cast as a villain in the 90s because he's totally. (laughs) I feel like if I were to be making a movie Mm. and I needed a villain, I Mm. would intentionally seek him out because I feel like his voice and his ability to carry a scene, like he's so good. He's such a good villain. And he's like, his storyline is almost more... Because it's a little bit more intimate in The Three Musketeers than Cardinal Rushlow is. Like, Cardinal Rushlow is just like, totally, power. yeah. And this guy's like, oh no, there's this storyline with D'Artagnan that matters. And mm-hmm. he, he was a musketeer and then yep. betrayed. And mm-hmm. that storyline alone, just there's so much character depth that I was like, I love this bad guy. As I was watching it, I was like, he is so freaking good. So Well, and you almost uh, were like, why aren't you the main villain? <laughs> right. Like you you are more interesting all around. This was for our our age, age. bracket. It came yeah, out in ninety-three. Yeah. We were seven and eight. So it's like, yep. yeah, this makes perfect sense that we would get this. So I feel the same way. Like I I 
I didn't get some other things. I really noticed in this podcast, I do have to say, the difference <laughs> in the one year of your brain development and mine is very apparent. Okay. Uh, so okay. Let us, okay. Let us move on to questions, All right. Colleen. You so have got some our questions. questions for anyone who's listened to the other episodes. We go through s- the same questions, basically, that kind of lead us down these rabbit holes of conversation. Uh, but the yes. first one that I think kind of makes the most sense to always start with is uh, when you when you watch the movie as an adult, and I think everyone can relate to this, you realize all the things you didn't catch as a child when you first watched it. <laughs> so our first question is, when you're rewatching this as an adult, you know, give us your takeaways, but also, hmm. what were your takeaways as a kid, and are they accurate to the film? Lisa? I would say I got this movie pretty well. Rewatching it I was rewatching it and I think the only parts that I genuinely didn't understand as a kid were some of the jokes that um, Oliver Platt gives. Right. Because he has a lot of wonderful one-liners throughout the movie. He's the funniest part of the whole film and you can tell he's having a great time. But there's a lot of jokes that really as a, as a child, I, they went over my head. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully grasp them. Uh, one of the ones being, I'm sure this is a quote we both picked, but they're in a chase. They just rescued D'Artagnan. <laughs> You know which one I'm talking it's about. It's so funny. They just, they just rescued D'Artagnan from about to being beheaded by, because on the Cardinal's orders. And they've stolen Cardinal Richelieu's private coach. And they're racing oh, away from the guards. And it's a great scene. It's my favorite scene in the movie from when I was a kid or one of them. Yeah. And Kiefer Sutherland and Chris O'Donnell are the ones who are kind of driving the coach and are more serious. Whereas Oliver Platt and... Charlie Sheen are inside the coach, occasionally popping out the top of it to shoot at the people behind them. And when Charlie Sheen and, and uh, Oliver Platt are first in there, Oliver Platt starts looking through the carriage and opens As up. You he's would. Like, Aha. I mean, he's like, why wouldn't you? He's snooping. He's snooping. In you Cardinal just stolen Rizzo's the carriage. Cardinal's coach. Of course you're snooping. But of go course on. you are. And he opens up and he and he lifts up a cushion and goes, "Aha! The Cardinal's sacred <laughs> snack chamber." And, and in it are a bunch of alcohols, like there's brandy and, and different types of wine champagne. and champagne, champagne and stuff. And so at one point, as they're doing this huge chase. And gold. And, and gold, which Charlie Sheen like, decides to, th- uh, gets Chris O'Donnell to throw to the masses as a distraction, but also to give the gold back to the people. But at some point during the chase, um, Oliver Platt pops up and goes, uh, champagne? <laughs> like leans over to give it to Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland's like, we're in the middle of a chase, Porthos. And he stops and he's like, you're right. Something red. And then disappears to get a red bottle of wine. And uh, it's, it's so funny. And it's, and it's genuinely well-timed. No. But I didn't know no. what that meant. I wrote that I down laughed. Too. I laughed because everyone else was laughing. Right. But I genuinely didn't get the joke. And I remember asking our dad what it meant. Like why it was yeah. funny. And he tried to explain. <laughs> Still didn't. It still didn't make sense. Because how? Because how can you explain that to, to two children? Like it's like. Because then it was like, is it because like the bad guys are wearing red? I was and, like, is it because it's bloody? They're shooting people and there's blood, so you need a red wine. Like that was my logic. I know. I was like okay. Like we both went with 
the importance of the tying in of the color because he's like oh something red and it's like well the red must be important it's symbolic of, <laughs> of the of villain power yeah and, well cardinal uh, Richelieu oh. wears red throughout he has a fabulous cloak by the way he does i want his cloak watching him flip it and twirl it and walk with it i was like this cloak is amazing but yeah totally we took it as a symbolic meaning yeah. of the villain and had nothing to do with pairing one <laughs> to the circumstances <laughs> and that's what it was so funny it's so good and then when he pulls up the bottle of red and he gives it to Kiefer and he's like you can't have any you're too young and he sends it to, to Chris, Chris O'Donnell, O'Donnell and I think that's such a good line and he says something else about how it's like for a chase the cardinal <laughs> recommends his yeah, lovely yeah, yeah. and he says like the type of wine Cabernet I, or something Cabernet or something and he's like you can't have any you're too young and that line is very funny and yeah, as a kid, that so I think in all honesty, the vast majority of what I didn't understand were those lines. I actually watching it, I'm like, I get that Cardinal Richelieu is a bad guy who's trying to take power from the king. I get that he's hired this woman who ends up being kind of an assassin, woman who kills her husbands, and who's been hired to like, you know, create a bond with the Duke of um, of England, Buckingham. Who, of Buckingham, so that he can have this alliance because Buckingham rules England, as Charlie Sheen says in the film, the way the Cardinal rules France. And I got that. And I got that, as you said, the villain Rochefort is a villain not just because he's Cardinal Richelieu's right hand man, but because he's a former musketeer who betrayed his other musketeers, who was responsible for Chris O'Donnell's father's death. I got all of that. So there, it's not like it's a difficult plot anyway, but I would say that. Everything about it, I understood with the exception of the humor. What about you? And I think that comes back to the fact that this was the first movie we watched in the movie theater that Mm. out of all of the movies we've talked about, because this was the, this is our first age appropriate movie. You got all of it and I did not. (laughs) Like I didn't get it. What did you miss? What did you not get? I I felt confused by the, okay, so Cardinal Rushlow brings in, uh, Rebecca De Mornay's character, uh, Lady De Winter, and he's chatting with her, with her in this room, and and there's this dialogue between the two of them. He's he's explaining to her that she's going to deliver this note to Buckingham, and et cetera, mm. et cetera. Yep, yep. And then he like he goes to grab her breasts at one point because he's a creepy he's such a such a a weird dude and then she she so we won't talk about him and creepiness yet i feel like that's gonna come later but she like pulls out this knife and she like puts it in his like his groin area and then some something to be said where he was just like careful uh one one more quip like that and i'll put you back on the block where i found you and she's like and with a flick of my wrist i can change your religion and i was like, i love that line that's a great line but i didn't get I didn't get that he was the one who took pity on her from getting beheaded previous. Like, so I knew they knew each other and that there was some level of complication there, but Mm. his sentence didn't register with me. And so then when it's revealed, everyone, spoiler spoiler alert. (laughs) So she's known for killing her husbands and lovers Mm. and her ex-husband is Kiefer Sutherland's character. Yes. Athos. And mm-hmm. he thinks she's dead because he saw this mark on her body, this tattoo of a fleur-de-lis that's the symbol mm-hmm. for someone who's supposed to be killed for murder. And um, 
So he thinks yeah, she's, she's, she's he, basically he's, been sentenced to yeah. die because she was found guilty of murdering someone. And yeah. realizes this, he discovers this, and then he turns her in, and he's forever this t- tortured soul as a result because he loved her so deeply, and he realizes that he's made a mistake. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is all a side note. <laughs> so a point is good. Yeah, the reveal, going. the reveal of that entire storyline the chris o'donnell discovers the fleur de lis on her and he's like mm. oh my gosh it's her and then she's lady de winter and he was yep. the lord and and he sold all of his things and it's so obvious as an adult there's this conversation where athos is drinking by himself and he takes drinking very seriously according to charlie sheen's character and and he tells chris o'donnell the story of this lord and lady and he tells the story that's basically his life and, and seven-year-old Pauline did not initially clock that he was revealing <laughs> his life. Like, he's like, oh, well, he's just telling a story of his friend. Yeah, like, this on. guy he knew. <laughs> yeah, this, this, sir. And then, so it wasn't until later that I, that the reveal of how entwined all mm. of their relationships are and how she says, like, Cardinal Rushlow took pity on me. And I was like, oh, so now she's an assassin for Cardinal Rushlow. So, like, as a kid, that... <laughs> That was too complicated a web for me to get all the nuances. I got the gist of it. Now she's going to die because there's a guy who is going to kill her because she murdered his brother. And yeah. then she kills herself. And that, so I got the the blueprint vaguely, if that makes yes. sense. I get what you're saying. I actually, I really liked um, Milady de Winter's character. I don't know why as a kid I found her fascinating because we didn't well, see a lot of villains yes. who were women who were also very yep. sympathetic. I found her very sympathetic with how she talks to Kiefer Sutherland and that they clearly still care yeah. for each other. Like, yes. I love... I don't mm-hmm. know. Now that we're reflecting on our past with children, I seem to really be a romantic type when it came to Doom Shocker. What? wow. She's a female character that, as a young girl, you can look at and be like, oh, she's not just giving into the charms of the bad guy. Like or, so many other characters in other movies do. Do you know what I mean? Or rather than given to the charms, but rather knowing she has to make that exchange for her to continue doing what she's doing, right? No, right. I, like, you know, those are usually the two options. Either she's giving into the charms or she's succumbing because she knows this is a tit-for-tat situation and I got to stay right. on the one side. Okay, so next question. So wait, there's one other thing I didn't oh, get as a kid that I think is kind of funny. Kid, but... <laughs> so... That one, I feel, is totally justifiable. The complexity of that d- character dynamic from my seven-year-old brain just didn't compute. This next thing is a little more embarrassing. Okay. And it is. At, towards the end of the movie. Yes. Um, when there, there's going to be the birthday for the king. And there's this rally of all of the other musketeers who've like gone underground, whatever. And the music mm-hmm. is playing and it's yep. so dramatic and yep. Oliver Platt's on a horse and he shoots an arrow into a tree that says all for one and one for all, which is the slogan for the three musketeers. And he's, mm-hmm. so this is happening. And then in the next clip, you see people like pulling out old boxes with, with the blue, um, what are they called? Blue coat of arms. Called? Yeah. The coat yeah, of arms. Yeah, sure. The coat which... of arms and their swords and they're pulling yeah. out. And then you see like another sign into a tree and then, more coats of arms and I didn't register <laughs> the link like I just thought that was a coincidence oh, like man. just con- hey what are the odds 
they're rallying people and simultaneously those guys are grabbing their shit that's going to be helpful so that's the one part where even so when I watched it with Cam I had a moment in my head where I was like oh shit (laughs) but what I love as an adult when I was rewatching the scene I'm like how did they know what date time and place to be (laughs) all he has left on the tree for them is one for all all for one how do they know where to go that's very as an adult i started laughing but as a kid of course i was just just caught up in the details emotions of yes they're all coming together and they're not alone and all the musketeers are back this is glorious but as an adult i did start laughing it did it did make me laugh out loud when my brain made that connection I admire that because I, as an adult, even did make that connection. I was just like, I was too busy, I think, in my head being like, oh, shit, Pauline, you idiot. But what I was confused by, and I think as a kid and also as an adult, I was like, wait a minute. All their coats of arms got burned at the beginning of this movie. Clearly, Pauline. They when all did they all decide, <laughs> right, that they were all just going to sew another one? Like, just... That's more understandable than the fact that they would have spare swords because swords would be costlier, I would assume, and would take more time to make. So, you know, there's some logic problems in the All movie. Right. Yeah, we don't need to. We, uh, I feel like this is one of those moments where it's like, all right, <laughs> we're over, this is why it's not a touchstone movie and is, we just need to move along. This is why we're overthinking but, it as adults. Oh, man. Don't worry, everyone. The other questions don't last as long. But this one's always the funniest question. Don't don't make that promise. They could last as long. That's true. That's true. Okay. So next question, unless you have other things that you'd like to touch on from that first one. No, no. For as a kid, as I said, I got got it all as a kid. Like, it's funny because I remembered, though, it's at the very beginning and near the very end. At the very beginning, when you are first introduced to Cardinal Richelieu's character and his right-hand man Rochefort it's in a dungeon underground Mm -hmm. and it's a very intense scene it's a very creepy well-done dungeon it's actually a dungeon that exists I discovered when looking through my trivia it exists it's like that um and it is near water and basically you see a man who is imprisoned who basically stole something from the cardinal's supplies to feed his starving family and he has clearly been whipped and tortured and he's begging Cardinal Richelieu for mercy. Cardinal Richelieu turns around and nods to Rochefort and Rochefort takes his sword and stabs him as the guy is begging no stop and it's a drawn out gasp death cry and it's very intense mm-hmm. and so i had actually forgotten about that scene until the movie started and I was like oh we're in a dungeon we're oh right this scene and it was such a scary scene as a kid, as well as towards the end, they're back in the dungeons chasing after Cardinal Richelieu, whose um, attempt at killing the king has been thwarted by the musketeers, but he's managed to kidnap the king and his wife. And they're fleeing underground through the dungeons to get to the secret sort of canal, underwater canal. And uh, the musketeers, the three musketeers are following them and split up. And Oliver Platt's character ends up facing off against this very big strong hideous dungeon man dungeon man he's a dungeon man he's a torturer well he's that and he it's a again it's an intense scene because oliver platt's fighting him and it's hard but then he kicks the the scary man into the wall that has a whole bunch of like metal spikes and the guy ends up impaled on them and you think he's dead. But then when Oliver Platt gets close enough to him, 
he starts wiggling and sh- like, you know, crying out and, and scares Oliver Platt and Oliver Platt cuts a rope and it lowers um, another gate and it crushes the man in that gate. And I rewatching it. I'm like, that is oh, yeah. intense. And death. like blood is coming out of his mouth. At the it's end, a- and you're like, yeah, no, it's definitely dark. It's, it's very dark. dark. And I remember that as a kid. I remember being like, oh, yeah, for some reason, I always remember this movie as being a very lighthearted, fun adventure. But at the same time, there were these scenes and I remember finding them very intriguing because they were darker as a kid. And I was like, oh, it's the creepy scene now. But I don't remember them being like scary, just mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. So that was. The yeah. And you don't. That. I feel like the weight, like. I remember that scene, too, because I remember being like, oh, yeah, he's got, like, blood dripping out of his mouth. But as a kid, I don't think it stuck in my head too much. I think I was like, cool, he's dead. Oliver (laughs) Platt's on his way. Problem solved. You know what I mean? And so I think as kids, you don't – it's almost like your brain just can't register the the heaviness of those moments sometimes because it's just like self-preservation. Especially when you then move back into a lighthearted tone, right? Where you're like, aha, things are fun again. And you kind of just – forget moving on let's move on yeah okay but the other thing with her character about her that i actually really liked is Mm. she's she's sympathetic she's the strong woman she's killing lovers and her husband etc so she's not she's not perfect she's not a good person but she's kind of a badass chick like she's not just letting cardinal rushlow touch her boobs do you know what i mean like oh yeah like she's she's not just fawning yeah and and so there's something about that that i think to your point that you were saying, where it's like, you don't see very many female villains. You don't see very many da-da-da. And I'm like, fuck that, Lise. You don't see very many, like, strong women in general. In Especially in the 90s. kids' yeah, yeah. movies in the 90s. You just don't see it. Mm. So, not saying that she's someone that I, like, admire as a character. <laughs> but she's one of the first characters that's like... Because well, and Oliver Platt kept calling life. him ugly. Yes. Oliver Platt was just like... Taking Whoa, care of something ugly. Ugly. Yeah. 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 It's very intense. And so it's still like, <laughs> he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, that's what you do. You're like, ah, that's, he's right. That's how your brain works. Oh, oh God. We're, we're all monsters as children. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of, okay, so we're going to segue quite nicely into uh, the section where if anyone's watching this movie now who maybe never saw it, is there anything in it that's like offensive? Is there anything in it that's inappropriate in some respect um, to someone who might be watching this movie? So the the only main thing I would say, like I mean, there is violence, obviously, as we've described. So I mean, if you're watching with children, because it's a family film, know that that is going to happen. As well as, as Pauline said earlier, a lot of boob shots, a lot of There's so sex, much cleavage, a lot of sexual innuendo, and yeah, and what we're going to get into with with Cardinal Richelieu is is creepy because he is hitting on the young queen of France a lot. And he even goes so far as she's has this scene where she's in this amazing, huge bath that I was like, Oh God, Mm -hmm. that's an amazing bath. Amazing bathtub. With her lady in waiting, Constance. And they're talking about, you know, their love interests and stuff like that. And then Constance says, I'll go get your robe. And she leaves. And then uh, the queen stands up clearly naked, but you're seeing her from the shoulders up and her robe gets placed on her shoulders and the hand on her shoulder is clearly Cardinal Richelieu. It has his ring. It's a man's hand. And she, of course, is startled, turns around, and he's just there. And he then proceeds to try and seduce her in her chambers 
while she's at a, such a disadvantage of being naked and alone and she manages to rebuff him, but it is such a creepy oh, yeah. scene. It's terrifying. And he, he does it. That's the most intense one. He does sort of hit on her at another time where he, he holds her hand and kisses it too long and looks at her too long. And it's, and she's clearly unnerved by it and upset and he just sort of walks away afterwards. So he makes a lot of rapey advances on her, a lot of um, uh, sexual one, like moments with him that make him very disturbing. And so again, if you're watching this with children, that's pretty intense to see. Um, the other thing that I would go into along those lines, he's so he's creepy and disturbing. You were about to say something. What anything well, to add to that? Yeah, because you could hear me. I was like, <gasps> yeah, you had like, let her, I want to say let something. Let her talk. Don't interrupt, I'm shift it. I'm going to shift so, it from Cardinal Richelieu. So what else do you want to add So to what him? I was going to say with him is that I, I do want to say that as a kid, you you don't clock quite how creepy that is. So if you are mm. if you are going to watch this movie with kids, I'm not saying that this excuses it, but it's it don't... Do you know what I mean? Like there's an element where as a kid, you kind of, you register. But I'm saying it because I think for parents, it's important to impress upon kids that that is wrong behavior though. Like, I mean, that's such an important thing with how. No, for sure. And I agree. But generally I find that those moments. Now this is two. Well, and it's two women who don't have kids. Yes. But that's the thing is it's like the villain. It's like, you already know it's bad behavior because it's coming from the bad guy. True. Whereas there are moments in the show even like yes. harmless moments where like they're talking about so all yes. of the plus characters talking about the art of wenching this was the other how... one i was going to jump to so i'm glad you okay. brought it up yeah yeah so it's just so it's just them and now again time periods right mm. wench is a normal word that was said at the time about barmaids and just a general woman in existence in the lower classes so carry on from there so cuz i feel well, like you I... do a better job of describing the scenes so oh, thank you so there is a scene where uh so after their successful rescue of d'artagnan from nearly getting his head chopped off they have paused on their journey of intercepting milady de winter at a tavern and they're all drinking and having a good time and as pauline sort of mentioned earlier with the exception of Kiefer sutherland who is brooding in the corner getting very drunk everyone else is kind of sitting around the table with like a girl on each like oliver platt sitting with a girl on each arm and another girl behind him all with low-cut bodices and they're all drinking and he's explaining to d'artagnan that now that he's on his way to being a musketeer he needs to understand the subtle art of wenching and the main thing is kissing like he's saying that if you're yeah like a woman can tell how good you are basically the implication is how good you are in bed um by that first kiss and so he then proves it he does a kiss and it gets very into um sexy territory as he's kissing this woman and goes over the top it's very funny to watch um, gets into sexy territory, sexy territory in the I like that like with I like that you flat, say that. With Disney, you would assume it would be like a kiss and that would be it. But he like, they French lays one to on an her. extreme yeah. French. And then like, the other thing that Oliver Platt says is he's like, you know, you can say something. Your name, her name, <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> but, then, but, but that's not important. And like, it's terrible. He says, he says, words are a waste of time. Words are a waste of time. And Charlie Sheen is response is that's only the wrong words or a waste of time and then proceeds to demonstrate and goes to one of the women who are by Oliver Platt and recites poetry amazed by his poetry 
gives him bedroom eyes and then proceeds to just lay it on him and kiss him right. like crazy, which is kind of insulting to women that that's all it would take um, among many other things wrong with this scene. And then Chris O'Donnell has to prove he's learned his lesson. So he takes another woman recites the worst poetry ever and then <laughs> kisses her to kind of an extent. So even the heroes are, are behaving in a way that's really not good <laughs> for, no. for how they treat women and re-watching it. I'm like, Oh my God, I remember this scene as a kid and just finding it odd. And yeah. I remember being like, why are we even stopped here? What is happening? Right. And I didn't really like it. I just kind of tolerated it. I did find Oliver Platt's drunken dancing funny as a kid. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of ignored the scene because I was, I didn't, I didn't care for it. I found it almost boring. Well, and it kind of stops in the middle of the action. Like totally. until this point, there's constant action. There's constant uh, chase scenes. Mm -hmm. There's people almost getting beheaded. There's carriages on fire. There's, yes. There's guys trying to kill D'Artagnan. Like, they they blow up a thing of gunpowder. So, yes. So there's very few scenes so far in the mm. movie that are boring. And so there's all this action. There's all this excitement. They've just exploded a thing. And then we just cut to them at a bar. And I remember thinking the same thing as a kid. I was like, oh my gosh, can we just move it past this scene? Like, who cares? What are we doing? The depiction of the female characters in this movie isn't great. Nope. And how the heroes treat women in this movie isn't great. Nope. Um, and how the villains treat women in this movie isn't great. It's really, so again, it's it's really that, not great all around. Because that learning behavior for children. Totally. And again, but I do also have to say, I don't think young kids nowadays would find this movie good feel personally like the only people who are thinking they might rewatch this or after we talk about it are like oh man i gotta go watch this movie are people like our age yes. are people who were like this was a movie from their childhood that they forgot existed mm -hmm. i don't think anyone's like i watched this movie as a kid and everyone knows movies what you watched as a kid <laughs> hold up for your own children yeah. everyone knows that lesson yeah so well, I don't there think are there's a concern ones of to be showing for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, the other scene, yeah. the other thing that was I think slightly offensive, and it kind of sticks with there's two parts. One is sticking with like the, the behavior of how they treat women. I thought they keep describing Lady de Winter as beautiful and dangerous. Yes. And it's like that's it. Yep. And it's she's the most beautiful but also the most deadly. And it's like it's that whole like those are the only descriptors of her by anyone in the movie. And it's like, I think she's got other qualities, guys. But I think I think you're all blinded by how beautiful she is. And that's really annoying. Don't yes. get me wrong. Rebecca de Mornay is, is absolutely beautiful. She's a stunning woman. I remember yep. as a kid, I was like, I want her hair. I want to be able to have enough hair that I can do half up, half down, and put a little bun on the back. Like Belle. Belle did that. Yep. But Rebecca de Mornay also, very funnily, had bangs. Yes. Which I'm like... We all know no one had bangs like that <laughs> in the 1600s. That's a very 90s thing, like a no, bang. But no, she had no. enough hair to have a bang, a half-up bun, and then nice long hair underneath. And I was like, hmm, that's going to be me. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, I tried really hard to recreate that hair, and it just didn't work. Yeah, for some reason, it's Weird. not going to fly mm. in the same way. It's almost with like a seven-year-old. It's almost like she had help with her hair. <laughs> and a hairpiece may have been put on there. It's weird. Then the only other thing, and it's kind of a silly moment, and I wouldn't—I don't know if it would go under the category of like "quote unquote" offensive, but it's um, Good Morning's character has a 
two like henchmen and mm. one of them is this asian man who goes to fight um oliver platt. oliver platt on the boat and he does some very impressive sword swordsmanship and then oliver platt mocks him in his like ah, yeah, ah, ah. That's <laughs> yeah. literally what he says and does these movements with his hands and then like hits a little a plank that knocks the guy in the groin and the the fight's over it doesn't which is really too bad it actually he opens oh, up knocks the floor he knocks yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he knocks him so that um the the trap door underneath him opens up and he just falls into the into the ship. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he waves when he looks out. That's right. Sorry. And so it's just this this moment where Oliver Platt's character is like playful and funny and like he's the he's the lighthearted one, but he is also just being a dick mm-hmm. to the only person of color <laughs> yes. in the movie in the entire this movie. is a very white movie it's and so white so so that's you know that was just a moment where i was like of course they take the token asian guy and oliver platt makes fun of him the only other thing i would say over. is um that i kind of clocked is chris o'donnell there's this running joke which is not funny anymore as a kid i thought it was funny but i don't find it funny as an adult anymore it's just annoying but um d'artagnan is introduced in the middle of a duel with another man who is upset because d'artagnan he feels has ruined his sister's honor and d'artagnan is very dismissive of it and mocks him for wanting to duel and the man he's dueling is very effeminate and very Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word you can tell in the 90s they made him girly to make him more comical and as an insult to him as a character like he's meant to be this butt of the joke and his like girlish scream is meant to be like the funniest part and so it's that one i also was like oh that wouldn't fly today either no because that is a, a stereotype that no longer is really allowed and and so he's kind of pops up throughout the movie does this thing about how our duel is still expected and shrieks and and sort of screams and then would run off again and so he's kind of shown as like this weakling girly fighter and that's the whole thing that's the whole humor that's the whole character. yeah that's his that's the shtick. that's it and so that's like another thing that pops up in this movie too yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, with all that being said, mm-hmm. uh, does this uh, movie pass the Bechtel test? So I was hoping it would because there is a scene where Constance and Queen Anne, that bath scene, are having a conversation. So they're both named, they are both having a conversation, but the entire conversation revolves around men. Yeah. They don't talk about it. It's the one scene where two women are actually talking to each other and it entirely revolves around them discussing D'Artagnan and King Louis. And that's all it is. So it mm-hmm. comes close, but it doesn't but no get that, cigar. It doesn't get that third notch. So it gets the women, they are named, they're having conversation, but it does not get them talking about something other than men. So it's close but right. not there. Um, do you still love it? Um so funny because re-watching it there are scenes i love there are scenes i love there's the the, the score there are certain parts of the, the score. score that mm-hmm. when i hear it i remember how much i loved this movie i remember how exciting i found it i remember the theme song that the basically what has become the three musketeers theme which is used then in the end credits song all for love you can hear those bars throughout the movie um i i 
was surprised at how emotional I felt hearing them. Like I remember mm-hmm. just how important that score was to me as a kid. And there are scenes I still really enjoyed. I did love the stealing of Cardinal Richelieu's carriage and the whole chase scene is still delightful. And I did still really enjoy the finale for all that it kind of had its moments um, and seeing all the three musketeers joined, I remembered how much I love them. And I love Rochefort as the villain. I just wanted more of him. But I can't say that I love it. I love mm. parts of it. But I can't say I love the movie as a whole anymore. What about, what about you? Do you still love it? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I was like, I, again, I think I was really hyper aware because I... <laughs> to watch it with me and and so but I I think it was like like I still was like yeah it's it's good for what it is Mm. you know what I mean like it's I'm not watching this movie expecting uh Oscar worthy performance from Chris O'Donnell nope because he he had a golden raspberry performance instead yes yeah so um but I also was like you I was like emotional about it I think I think this is the first one so far that has been more of like um, the nostalgia mm-hmm. makes me love it. Yes. More than like if I'm watching this movie as like a first time viewer. Yeah. Would I be like, I'm watching a good movie right now. And again, <laughs> I was really aware of like all the like hokey, cheesy moments with Oliver Platt and like the well, and- stupid one liners and the and the. Like, the the storyline, I actually think, is quite good. And I think there's some complexity to the character. Like, Chris O'Donnell's character, D'Artagnan, and then Rochefort, and the his father, and he was a musketeer, and that whole scene where they're sword fighting, I thought. And then at the end, just before he's about to, like, he's, like, raising his sword up, he's like, well, one thing's for sure, sure you're no musket. And then he doesn't get to say it. Like, he's like, musketeer! And then he gets stabbed, and then he's like, it appears I've been mistaken. I love how dramatic and, uh, you did that quote. <laughs> you got to get it right. He's saying it. He's saying it as he's dying. I that's love a it. big, yeah, you that's a big it. deal. That was good. That was good. Thank Keep you. Going. Keep Thank going. you. Yeah, yeah. So, like that scene was so good, and so it's still good, but it's not. Again, I think our expectations for movies now are just better. Like it's just we just expect better things mm. out of our movies. So the little tiny quips here and there that aren't really funny, they just don't fly anymore mm-hmm. because our humor has changed it's like when you watch a movie from like the 40s and you're like no one talks like this anymore (laughs) what's going on so there's so i think for me that's kind of what it is but the score the score is awesome you're so right the thing about it so this kind of leads us into like the test of time question is does this movie stand the test of time and and the score i think is so over dramatic it is i it's so much more dramatic than the actual yes. movie is. Yes. So I'm like, that to me seems very 90s. I feel like that's a very 90s thing. Totally. But I was very genuinely surprised at my emotional reaction mm-hmm. when at the end, when they're coming into the, the, the climax and, and the three musketeers are standing there ready to fight this whole line of red cardinal guards and then all these men in cloaks come jumping off the sides out of nowhere and they all stand together and take off their cloaks and they all have their blue musketeer tunics and I got teary-eyed I was like (laughs) I was like oh my gosh this is so epic like I just was like 
I, it was the music. It was the score. It was, totally it was the like music, this. Score. For me, it was emotional. It was also reaction that I just did not expect. It was also for me like that. Absolutely, when that moment happened, I was like, "Oh my god!" I remember how much I love this moment. And what cemented it for my nostalgia was Kiefer Sutherland going, "Save the king!" And then they all yeah. shout it back, and they all go racing to fight no! the red. And yeah. that moment, I knew he was mm. going to shout it. And I was waiting for him to shout it. And I was excited for him to shout it. And I was like a little kid again who was yeah. so happy that the Musketeers yeah. were all together again. And I'm with you. Totally. That was a surprising amount surprising. of emotion for that scene. But but yeah, I don't think it has held yeah. this test of time. It, it no. hasn't at all. Um, no. I would say rewatch it if you watched it as a kid. You might yes. have similar reactions to us where you're surprised at how much you enjoy and how much you remember and the emotions that come with it. But otherwise, I, I just don't know if, if anyone else would mm. enjoy it. I just don't think it's going to hold up. I think if, yeah. yeah, I think it's like, and like Cam, Cam was like, it was good. Like he's, but he's like, it, I think it was, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he wasn't like, this is a terrible movie. No, but, but he you're also not wasn't going... like, let's watch this again. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me put this on my list of future movies to watch. Like totally. he's like, he's seen it once and that's good. And I think, I, I agree. I think if you're going to watch this movie again, it should be because you've already watched it as a child. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just got Disney Plus or you forgot it existed or you haven't got Disney Plus yet and you're like, maybe I should get it. And it's like, you should get it because there's so many great childhood movies that you probably had. But this one mm -hmm. for me is the first one actually out of all of our episodes where yes. I really am like, oh man, and know what it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's because it was... It's the first one that was age appropriate for us. Totally. Like so now totally. I'm like, oh man, this didn't hold up the same way. Well, and my concern is as we continue doing this podcast, how many of our child age appropriate movies are gonna have this reaction yeah. where like, oh, this did not hold well, up. And I mean, obviously yeah. not all of them, but I think we're gonna be surprised how many because I think I think the adult ones for the most part, will probably hold up better. But I mean, who knows? This is going to be fun to see. But you're absolutely right. The first age-appropriate one, and it it doesn't hold up, um, aside from nostalgia. Aside from, it's it's and, definitely nostalgia-based. And aside from that kick-ass end title song, which I will love forever. <laughs> which I also don't think that's a nostalgia oh, thing, totally. Lisa. I gotta it's say. It's a nostalgia thing. I don't care. I will love that it. Movie, that song oh, is not so making 90s. the charts now there's no way it is the epitome of a 90s yeah movie song <laughs> totally and that's why it's so great like that's actually why if you again if you watched this movie before mm. this song is everything you want it to be and what's funny and i actually made a little note of it that i thought was kind of funny is your idea of it like being like from carrying on the idea of the robin hood everything i do mm. i do it for you song and and the idea of this song added into the movie it's very um i feel like it doesn't because the love story is very minimal oh there's like hardly there, anything to there it isn't no it's there's it's not this is a song that should be mm -hmm. in in a movie like Robin Hood, where he's saving Maid Marian, where where there's this, do you know what I mean? Like well, where, where their relationship has a, been established and developed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, it's part of 
what's going on. It's, it's part a big of part the relationships. Of, well, and it's a big part of driving the plot too. Like it's so many things rely on their romantic relationship in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, but this one, it's an afterthought. Chris O'Donnell and the woman who plays Constance, Constance. like they, like D'Artagnan and Constance barely talk to each other they barely see each other they barely share screen time there's no reason they should be considered a romantic couple really but it's forced into the movie as if it does exist so you're absolutely right that the the music in all honesty that song would fit better with keeper sutherland and milady rebecca de mornay (laughs) totally because they actually had a relationship that i buy was a loving one until it went sour and, and that's quite tragic. And it's quite and, tragic. And they reunited yeah. briefly. Yeah. She forgives him. He realizes he still loves her and admits to his error. Like there's quite a lot in there that fits better and actually has a romantic core, but it doesn't fit the song either because it's too tragic yeah. for how yeah. poppy this song is. So it's an odd choice. It is clearly just shoehorned in to be like everything I do. I do it for you. So, yeah. And... It doesn't mean the song isn't great. It just means <laughs> it doesn't fit the movie. Like at you're just all. like, why is there this love song at the end of this it movie? Doesn't, it, it doesn't be, make any sense. It should be a song Unless about it's a how song about like a bromance. Bro. Yeah, I was about to say, how much you love your bro? That's what this song should be about. When they're singing, let's make it Which... all for love, all for one and all for love. That that should be uh <laughs> about the musketeers not about romance which when you actually think about it makes way more sense when you got rod stewart brian adams and sting singing like it's like that's the bromance that's the bromance in the they're the three musketeers hello (laughs) oh my gosh look what we just discovered connections being made we're geniuses hollywood you missed out disney (laughs) that's what the movie should have been about the three of them the bromance Uh, okay let's get to quotes since we're there oh man what great segues god i love a good segue okay so (laughs) so natural so for anyone who doesn't know for anyone who doesn't know um our family we quote movies literally all the time it is in greetings to each other if we haven't seen each other in a long time even if none of us have seen the movie that a quote comes from in a long time sometimes um people are married to spouses who who (laughs) know the quotes but didn't know a movie that it came from they just know that we say this thing so that's how much we quote movies randomly and it's not like we sit down and decide okay so we all really like this movie let's (laughs) everyone picks three quote quotes that they liked and we're going to decide as a vote you know democracy how we're going to say that's not how this works somehow some lines of movie dialogue just stick in our family mm-hmm. so for me and lisa we oftentimes had our own because we're a year apart and our, our older siblings are quite generally a bit much older, older. yeah they're quite, quite a bit, a bit older. older and they didn't they, we lisa and i really watched movies together all the time even if we had watched it with other siblings so we kind of sometimes have our own so for example the ones you're going to hear about this movie none of our other siblings would probably have any idea the the only one who would and I can think of one quote for it, and it's JM, um, our older sister, who is three years older than me and four years older than Pauline, because we did sometimes watch movies with her. There is one quote I know she she sort if of knows. she deigned to if she yes <laughs> to our height on the days she deigned to play with us and hang out with us because she was much older by four years and three years. Um, 
that was a great day for us, a red letter day. Oh. Um, but there was one quote. So you did it actually when you were saying that end scene. I remember there's that moment where Rochefort says, "There are one things for sure: you're no musketeer," and gets stabbed. And I says, "I might have been mistaken," as he staggers away and dies. Well, so we. Good. I remember there was one right. time you, me, and JM, all we did for about 20 minutes was take turns being Rochefort and D'Artagnan. So one of us would be D'Artagnan and the other one would be Rochefort and we'd have pretend swords and one of us would go, one thing's for certain, you are no musket. Oh, and then the other one would stab you and then you'd go, oh, I might. I've been mistaken. And then we'd fall over and die. And we took turns doing this for like a solid 20 minutes straight. Just swapping who was who. Trying to prove each of us oh. had the better death scene. I think we were trying to out-die each other. <laughs> right, obviously, of course. Because <laughs> everything's a competition in our Clearly, family. I'm the better Rochefort. Watch how I die. We just did <laughs> And we would laugh. Each of us would take a turn. We'd laugh. We'd do it again. Each of us would take a laugh. Do it again. We just did this on a loop. So that would be the only one I think potentially Hilarious. one of our siblings would know. Otherwise, no, none of these are going to be should ask her. We need should, to ask her. I should ask her next time I see her. Okay, so what's one from you, Pauline? Um, Let's take turns. You do one, I'll do one. Let's okay, do it I like it. I like it. Uh, so the quotes. Um, so one of them is towards the beginning of the movie when, so Lisa mentioned it briefly earlier, there's this um, setting up of three separate duels. Um, that D'Artagnan gets into with each of the musketeers because just by going about his day. D'Artagnan is so annoying. Can I just He's say that? He's so annoying. He's oh so my gosh. annoying. I, was, I hate I him. thought the same thing. I, <laughs> as I'm watching it as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so arrogant and he's so cocky. And the musketeers even say that? And I'm like, thank you for saying it. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Like, everyone's like, wow, you're really cocky. So yes. one of the ones, there's quite a few, but one of the lines was when Charlie Sheen is being chased out of a out of a, a house with a woman that he was tutoring um, that ended up not being tutoring and <laughs> is being chased out of this house. He's running away and he jumps and he lands on D'Artagnan and he's like, oh, thank you. You broke my fall completely. <laughs> and I just started killing myself laughing because I remember that was so funny because D'Artagnan's all like, get off me. And he's all annoyed and stuff. But it was just, I Charlie Sheen is so charming in this movie and i just love that he, he was like he was my favorite musketeer yeah. when i was a kid porthos was second but aramis for some yeah. reason i loved him the most he was See, my I like favorite porthos. of the musketeers yeah and now i like like now i like athos more but yeah. even porthos now i'm like i didn't appreciate his humor yeah because <laughs> i didn't Plast, get it oliver plus humor is delightful but he was silly he was very silly, um, but it was good. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that's so that was my... Okay. Thank you. You broke my fall completely. That was mine. So one of the ones I thought years. of um, is a Porthos one, and it's the same yeah. scene. So after... Yeah. So it's <laughs> the duel that is formed between Porthos and D'Artagnan is because D'Artagnan's running away from the, the guy he was supposed to be dueling earlier who's upset about his sister, and in trying to escape, he ends up banging into this guy who's serving wine to Porthos and the wine ends up all over Porthos and he stands up and he's like, hey! He's like, this sash was a gift to me <laughs> from the Queen of America. And D'Artagnan stops and goes, there's no Queen of America. <laughs> and like, that, I beg to differ, peasant. And, and the other thing he says to D'Artagnan is when D'Artagnan is giving him some lip and he goes, little pimple. And then 
<laughs> and I, I will say as an adult, that is an amazing insult to tell someone is to oh, call them a little <laughs> But yeah, this this flash is a gift to me by the Queen of America was was a favorite for me. Yeah, that was you did like I remember you liked that one. Uh, another one for me was when so um, the captain of the guard. Uh, mm. the bad guy, the bad guard, is he tries to arrest the musketeers at one point in time. Mm. It fails. Mm-hmm. They're all dead. <laughs> and then they're off to their respective duels with D'Artagnan at the same spot at, for different times, but they're all there early at the same time, which I think is also quite funny. And and then the captain, they're just about to duel. The reason they don't duel is because then the captain of the guard shows up and he's on his horseback. And then and he's got new and, men with him. He's got different men because the other one's dead. So he's, so he's like, well, I'll try this again. And so then Kiefer just stops and he's just like, only a fool would try to arrest us twice in one day. And then he's like, you're under arrest. And then Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt turn to each other and they're like, a fool. <laughs> and I remember thinking it was so funny. We I thought was like, that was hilarious. Uh, so clever totally and um that that whole scene the build-up to the the duel when they're just like you can't fight him why not i'm fighting him and like not until not until one o'clock not until two o'clock as kids we also like that one but another um that whole scene we we really enjoyed as children another quote i really loved is in the chase scene we already Mm -hmm. said the amazing one of like you know you write something red but later as they're nearing (laughs) the end of the chase scene oliver platt has popped his head up again and goes the picnic was delicious. The champagne was excellent. Remind me to send the cardinal a note. <laughs> <laughs> and we also loved that line. That was funny. Too. And that I liked it one. still as an adult. I actually still liked his delivery of that line as an adult, too. That, that was funny. No, I agree. I thought that was a good I was like, man, he's funny. And then, uh, so there's, and then, so skipping a bit, mm. there's the scene where Chris O'Donnell, it's not so much a funny line, but Chris O'Donnell's now been kind of the prisoner of Rebecca de Mornay's character, and she's saying that she loves a good adventure. She mentions that at one point. Anyway, and that, it wasn't even her delivery of the mm. line, but then she, they're just about to kill Chris O'Donnell because yes. he's just discovered something, and then he's like, she's like, why would I take you with me? Because she's off on this, she's off going to go to her ship, and he's like, he's, as the reason, he's like, I know you love a good adventure. And then mm-hmm. there's a pause, and she's like, take him with us. <laughs> I was like, I remember loving how he said his line and how she said her line. That one <laughs> for me was a good a one. That's such a funny one. I didn't realize I know, random. Yeah, because I remember him being like, I know you love a good adventure. And I was I like, that, that's remember. funny because she did say that. <laughs> Guys, she said that already. Oh, He's man. so smart. That's what I remember. He's a genius. Well, one of the ones I remember loving as a kid and I, again, loved it as an adult is when they're when the three musketeers, when um, Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt and Keeper Sutherland are going down into the dungeon, and they're trying to follow the Cardinal, but they're a few steps behind because they had to pause and make sure Aramis was okay after being shot. And he was. And so they end up underground and they come to three pathways. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, and, funny. and one of them goes, which do we take? And I love it because Porthos then stops, looks at them and goes, I've never been here before. <laughs> and, and says it kind of with utter seriousness. As if he's answering a legitimate question. Right. But just the way he if, says it, I've never been here yeah. before. Don't look at me. Like <laughs> I know, that was funny. I agree. I thought I wrote that and, one down too. That and we loved one. that one as kids. I remember we would laugh every time that scene came up because we did genuinely like his delivery there. Yeah, because he's funny. He, he says is, things. He's so funny. And then I we had mentioned it earlier, but even in the tunnels when it's like he 
he's he's by himself and then there's this like pause and he it's funny because he's about to encounter the dungeon man as we called him earlier so the, the dungeon, dungeon man, man is about to approach and he's coming from behind and there's this pause and Oliver Platt smells something and you can tell he smells because he kind of just like does like the flare of the nostrils yes. and turns around and he's like whoa ugly <laughs> and this guy comes out of the shadows and is like Rah! and so that line I remember thinking was so funny and then he kills him and then he's on his way again and then Kiefer Sutherland's like where you been and he's like taking care of something ugly as he like shoves a guy and I thought that was a good line too I thought that was funny. One of the few lines from Tim Curry that I know we we knew really well there's Mm -hmm. a couple but um one in particular is when after he's just seen uh, a demonstration of the sniper there is a sniper in this movie who is the one gonna kill king louis and i'm like i don't think snipers happened back then but anyways they've hired a sniper to kill king louis and he's demonstrating his ability well in fairness to them they don't call it a sniper no but that makes anyone feel any better but go on lisa (laughs) um so to demo his ability he shoots like a port like a portrait of king louis from a distance and and Cardinal Richelieu does this line of he's where he's like all for all for one and more for me at some point during the conversation uh-huh. when he's like this is going to work really well and he's like all for one and more for me and as kids we liked that line as an adult I'm like it makes no sense yeah <laughs> so stupid I remember as a stupid. kid I was like that's not the way it goes <laughs> but what's amazing is recently I saw in like a Twitter feed of Tim Curry's. He had a picture of three Musketeers chocolate bars. And oh, yeah. Oh, man. He just put all the <laughs> Oh. And I laughed so hard when I saw it. I was like, oh, oh my God. I love that oh. you quoted that. And I hope other people know what you're saying. That's amazing. So when, oh my I, gosh, when that so line good. happened again, I remembered the Twitter picture. And it, I'm like, okay, now it's funnier because I'm thinking of Tim Curry using it for when he's eating three musketeer chocolate bars oh my gosh that's amazing that's great i love that he yeah. did that Lance. yeah i have to say tim curry had some good lines in the movie like, he does well i mean tim curry often does because often his delivery of lines even if they're oh, not good so lines good. his way of delivering them oh, it's enjoyable he's to watch so good. he's so like, smarmy in this one swarmy and yeah. creepy and like yeah. smug and it's yes. so interesting to watch him sort of because because of course the most of his scenes are with Rochefort or actually with King Louis and King Louis is such a bland boring wimp of a character such a wimp yes his whole being in the movie you're just like oh why do we have another King Louis scene but what makes the scenes good are because you get to watch then Tim Curry and he's Mm -hmm. delightful but it's kind of almost wasted because he's sparring with King Louis by himself and he's sparring sparring by by himself it's not worth it so it's kind of like the Tim Curry is wasted in the scenes where he's just with King Louis because there's just, it's not on par at all. And uh, it's no. unfortunate because he has such great delivery. But yeah, I would say those are our main, main quotes that stood out to me. I agree. Mm. Um, so we have made this episode of this podcast almost as long as the actual movie itself. <laughs> so... I feel like that's a really good note to end on. I would um, say so. Yes. I'd yeah. say that that's, that's it. So in conclusion, uh, I think both of us would only recommend The Three Musketeers if you watched it and have nostalgia for it from your childhood mm-hmm. and you, you are in the mood for some great Tim Curry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some really crappy behavior towards women. I think that's <laughs> when you should watch the movie. Um, that's it for us. Yep. I'll be back again uh, next week with uh, the next movie and hopefully a little bit more uh, trivia from that movie as well. Fingers crossed. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening, okay. everyone. Okay.